Praise the name of the Lord. Let me invite you, please, to stand with your Bible in hand. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 6. If you have been walking with the Lord for at least five years, you should know the Scripture. If it's been five months, you may not. Praise God. We're going to have the Scripture on the screen if we can have it. Matthew, chapter number 6. We're going to read from verse... 33, amen, I'll just have us read 30, verse 33. There were certain traditions that the church threw out, and it was important because it was creating confusion to the culture. But in doing that, we threw out our convictions, and so therefore the culture is now in chaos and have no idea. And so it's important then that we understand what God's word is saying to us, it's vital. And so in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33, Jesus is speaking, and he says these words according to the English Standard Version. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek first uh, the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, seek something. He's saying, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that he addressed earlier will be added to you. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, in the midst of being relevant, we don't lose the truth of your word. We honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You'll be sitting now for the next few moments. If you decide to stand, that's on your own <laughs> will. That's you standing up because the Lord has dropped a word in your spirit and you want to stand and acknowledge that. I'm excited to share this message for a couple of reasons. The day of which we are together and those join us online, that today is the first day of November. Today is November the 1st, 2020. And I said earlier, thank God that we made it. Not everybody made it, unfortunately, throughout the month of October. That there were losses, both physically, emotionally, Mentally, and unfortunately, we lost some people spiritually. They looked around and they saw what is going on in our culture and our church, and they just packed it in, threw in the towel, so to speak, and said, I'll just do it on my own and I'll figure this thing out. And so, because this is the first day of November, what I personally do and I encourage you to do is I always approach the beginning of the month with a newness. A freshness of the grace of God. I, I have to do that to keep my sanity because when I look over the month and the mistakes and things that have happened, sometimes that can hold me back and I can't enter into a new month to see the new mercies because I'm holding on to yesterday's struggles and yesterday's past. And it's not easy to do that, saints. It's not easy to do that, body of Christ, to just leave those things behind and step into the newness of God. It's not easy to do that because religion doesn't offer that. Religion doesn't. Religion offers you the, the rules and regulation that will appease your guilt. It doesn't remove it. Is there anybody with me that understands that you tried religion? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let me say it loud. It does not. It will never work. And yet we find ourselves a religious people. And so the first day of the week, uh, first day, excuse me, of the month of November happens to be on a Sunday. And, and it's great because we're all gathered together. But also this Sunday um, is the first Sunday in the month of November that Megan and I had the privilege to come and to speak to this amazing, amazing group of people. That it was, it was the first Sunday in November that we came. And so the first words that were uttered. Um, out of the mouth of, of Pastor Teresa was this, that everything about God is redemptive. That was five years ago, and I still remember that word, the first num uh, uh, Sunday in the month of November. So for you, perhaps, it's just another day for you to inhale and exhale. But for me, this particular day is significant. It is important because, because what I've noticed and I've observed over these last five years is that God is reminding me of my assignment and how it is vital that the people that God is calling together, that we really understand the word 
the gathered place or these three letters, T, GP, that it's not just about a building at 1300 Mount Vernon Avenue. It's not just about that. It is bigger than that. When I work with companies, and, and I've shared this before, but when I work with organizations, the first thing I always do is I say, what is your mission? What is the purpose of why you exist? Why? Because I want to make sure the integrity of the institution is consistent. If you want my money, if you want my time, if you want my opinion, if you want my contribution, there's got to be integrity. Folks, we got to live as people of integrity. Hello, come on. We have to live as people of integrity. We don't have the luxury of other groups. We don't have the luxury of other organizations to just, oh my goodness, we missed it. We don't have that luxury. And so therefore, it's important that we understand, fully understand the significance of why we exist. I was talking to some, some people who went out for, for breakfast with them, and, and they're part of this group, and, and I said to them, what does... What does that stand for? And they're like, I have no idea. I said, so, so why are you there? Right. Oh, because my parents, I like it. My parents send me there. But you don't know the mission of why the organization exists. So although you're enjoying it because of interest, you are not maximizing it because of influence. Oh, let me break this down. This is so cool. Because when you don't know the purpose of something, you'll always abuse it. So if we don't know the purpose of the kingdom, we will confuse it for Christianity. Mm. And so what happens is this. We tap into something that the culture can identify, but there's no integrity in that. And so Jesus comes on the scene because if you look at this, TGP 3.0 really stands for these three chapters that Jesus was teaching on. If you take a look at Matthew chapter number 5, before you get that, we see where TGP existed in the Bible. It it exists in the Bible because it says in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up onto the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth, verse 2, and taught them, saying, So here it was, Jesus now had this crowd. Why? Because if you look earlier in Matthew chapter 4, he was doing ministry, ready for this? To real people with real problems, giving them real power. And so we're going to talk about that as we we expand the integrity of this ministry and the integrity of being part of the church, the integrity of the kingdom, because that's the word you need to hear. That's the word you need to embrace. That's what Jesus is teaching about is this concept of the kingdom. And so here it begins in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus now, he's ministering, ready for this, to real people with real problems. But he's given them real power. He's not giving them the system of religion that they were so used to because they were still oppressed. They were still demon possessed. Come on. They were still needing healing. Jesus comes on the scene. How many of you glad that Jesus came on the scene in your life? Oh, come on. Come on. We seem to forget. He came on the scene and so he says, your kingdom is here. And so, and so he's teaching in Matthew chapter five and then he goes on and he teaches in Matthew chapter six and he goes on and he teaches in Matthew chapter number seven, three chapters that explain TGP 3.0. And he's teaching them principles that was going against the very fabric of their tradition. By design, he was offending them. He was offending them because not necessarily they were evil, they were incomplete. And so Jesus is speaking now, not to the person who's doing evil. The person doing evil, he'll deal with you. He'll deal with the person who's allowing evil to come and to penetrate their mind. Because the Bible is clear that there are evil people who have allowed the enemy to infiltrate them. Come on, and to lead and to influence them. Judas. The Bible says that the devil went into his heart and he went to betray Jesus. In this context, he's not talking to those people. He's talking to real people with real problems who need real power. 
And he says to them, and he's, and he's breaking it down. He says, what you need to understand is the kingdom of God has come. He says, the kingdom of God has come. And so what he's breaking down to them is this, and we're going to talk about this. He broke it down and says, first things first of all. He wants to get their attention. He wants them to recognize and to understand that this is not just the most powerful sermon that Jesus was given. He's given them, here is how you live in the kingdom. He said, here's how the kingdom power works. Good God Almighty. And he breaks it down and he ends it. And he's coming to this point and he says, listen, as I read in Matthew chapter 6, he says, so seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So as a person who's been graced with an apostolic gift. And I see I was the apostle like the first century apostles. I'm talking about the apostolic, someone who was sent. And here is how we as the church must maintain the integrity of the institution called the church. That when we live, we live as a people with integrity. Now, I know it's blowing your mind. Say, Pastor, nobody's perfect. You're missing righteousness then. The enemy has you thinking, well, no one's perfect then. So why try? You can't do it on your own. That's the reason for the Holy Ghost and grace. But it doesn't mean you can't live with integrity. Thank you for that clap. Come on. You got a world that is saying, and we're giving them excuses. They're supposed to give them power. And so what we do then is the standard is so high that we just dumb it down. And we just like, because we want to step over. So we just bring it down. That's not important. Throw it out. That's not important. Throw it out. That's not important. Throw it out. And then we don't even know how to live as a nation. Take it off the walls and remove every indication, remove everything of a heritage, just get rid of it. And so what has happened is this. Let me teach you how to see what's going on. Let me teach you from an apostolic perspective how to see the world as God sees it. And even more importantly, let me show you how God sees America according to his word. The first way that you have to look at America is this. And I shared on Sunday, the American soil. If you ever travel to other nations, I'm not saying there aren't great places to go and visit. Come on, there's some beautiful places. The creation of God's world is absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. But there's something unique about America. Come on. There's something unique about the soil of America that if you ever travel in some places, come on, that when you get back to America, you literally bow down and kiss the soil. Because <laughs> you're glad to be home. Come on, somebody. Where McDonald's tastes like McDonald's. Come on. You feel me? Y'all know what meat you had over there, but I know that wasn't meat. Come on. And so we defend the soul of America, of course, through our armed services. Of course, that's what we have to do. You have to, you have to defend the soil. You have to do that. And so part of it is that we have this constitution. And so, and so the fight is over the constitution. And so we're looking because we want to talk about who can be on the soil and who can lead the soil and who can defend the soil, who can draw the oil, the economy, come on, from the soil, the S-O-I-L, the oil that's in the land. Come on, somebody. And so you see the richness of it. So we must defend it because everything has to do with the economy. And so in the world, you got division over how you're supposed to read and apply and how to live the Constitution. The world does that. They battle that. They throw mud at each other. They threaten each other. And they put their fist up. Come on. And their finger. Come on, somebody. Not the finger of God, but the finger of man. Come on. Because y'all are fighting over how do we handle this thing. And it's vital. And we maintain the integrity of the Constitution of the United States of America. It's vital. But there's also another aspect then of where we start to see the separation. Not separation from influence, but separation because of integrity. And the second thing we must see now is not just the history of the American soil. We must see the heritage of how the Bible influenced the American soil. So in the history, there's the good, the bad, and yes, there's the ugly. Let's be honest. There's the good, come on, 
There's the bad and then there is the flat out ugly. But our heritage then, our Christian heritage then, invites the providence of God to make sense of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so therefore, who maintains the heritage that shaped this nation? It's the Bible. And so when we look at it, some of the things that we see, the separation, all that thing works. I'm not saying every founder was Christian, but I'm here to tell you they were influenced by the Bible. And so when we look at the word of God, then it is simply saying, here's a religious document that influenced us. That's the level where they go with it. It's a religious thing. It's a religious book that graces our coffee table. Come on. <laughs> the family Bible, this monstrosity of a book that boom. There were times where you couldn't do nothing on Sunday because everybody was at church. Malls weren't open. Couldn't do nothing. You found yourself in, in the church. The church also became the place of education. The kids were taught there. They would make decisions on governmental things at the church. They would have different meetings at the church. They would have different things at the church. Education was at the church. Everything happened at the church because they felt the integrity of the institution. Could go to the church of where they would find people. Who would say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And you're able to maintain the principles of the word of God. Am I helping anybody? And so what is happening now is you are struggling now with the constitution over here of your of, of your history. And now you're over here and you're struggling with this thing called Christianity and how it's shaped and how it moves things. And so here it is now that we're struggling. God says, but there's another way. Come on. Because what has happened is this because... Of the heritage and because of, of, of our, of our, our history, excuse me. And so when we look at those two, what has happened, the enemy is coming now and he's afflicted real people with real problems and all of a sudden now we need healing. And this is where the church comes in, that we come in now, because the Bible says in Peter, he was wounded for our sins and by his stripes we are what? Healed. And so what we need to be able to do is to understand the kingdom. Because see, we got to be on the same page with God. Stay with me. We have to be on the same page with God and what God is doing and what God is saying. And so our text, our text is giving us. And here's the deal. Because we're living in a real world and we are real people with real problems. Here it is in Matthew chapter six. We go ahead to verse 25 and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He says, young people, don't be anxious about your life. He goes on and he says, what's his name? What will you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body that, that we put on it? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So here he's dealing with this thing called anxiety, this thing that people are dealing with. And he gets to a point and says, after everything I've taught in Matthew chapter 5, after everything I've taught in Matthew chapter 6, I'm about to go into Matthew 7, but I want you to understand, seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. See, here is what I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think Christianity is not important. I'm just here to tell you, according to the world, they see Christianity as a religion. On the same level as every other religion. That's how they see it. That's literally how they see it. I believe this, you believe that. Let's just come together and have kumbaya and we're good. And here is Jesus saying now, no, no, listen, what I want you to understand is being a Christian is different than what the culture has made into Christianity. And he said, because the way you're operating and the way you're living, they were first called Christians. 
A word used three times. So I think it's important because I've thrown this out before and people are like, what's he talking about? We shouldn't have Christianity. I'm telling you right now, if you want to be healed, this nation needs to be healed. Come on. We got to heal the soul of this nation. We got to get it right. And to get it right, you need the kingdom of God to invade this nation. You need the kingdom of God to come into your space and to rule and to reign. What you need is a kingdom marriage, a kingdom life, a kingdom business. You need the kingdom of God because he says, seek first the kingdom kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now those things will be added unto you. I refuse to take the risk when it comes to standing before God to wonder, am I going to make it in or not? I can't take that risk. I'm sorry. I can't bank off one prayer. Come on. He didn't say, oh, thou good and faithful, quote scripture. (laughs) He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You lived in the power of the kingdom of God in your life. And so what he's saying is this, because the first time you accepted Jesus into your heart, I want to apologize if this didn't happen to you. But they didn't teach you the gospel of the kingdom. And so as a nation, we're confused because we don't know the kingdom of God. And knowing the kingdom of God, it gives the church the integrity of the institution. And that's how you reform things. That's how you bring righteousness into a nation. And that is the message that is so vital that we must recognize. And so what happens is this, is that we just talk about you come and you accept Jesus. And I'm not minimizing. Of course, that's important. But there's so much more that God has for you. He says all these things will be added onto you. He has so much more for us. And he wants us to get it, but it's going to come through the kingdom. So, So when we think of the kingdom... Look at this. The kingdom is really about the operating system of your life. Now, in Christianity, over the years, when you study church history, what you've gotten is upgrades. That's what you got. This didn't work. Let's just add and make it better. Come on. We know a computer, right? Apple, every single time we got updates, we're fixing bugs and, and we're going to update. So you need to download this new things because, and so that's how we live our life. We just say, okay, we need to upgrade. We need to update. And we take anything that's new. We just get a hold of it. And so all of a sudden now we just become better at doing the same thing over and over again. No power. More sophisticated, more intelligent. Come on. We can put man on the moon. Come on. But we can't get God in our hearts. Come on. We can't bring God back to this nation, but we have the technology. Come on. And so what we have to get back to is first things first. And so the operating system, ready for this? The kingdom. See, see, Christianity has the danger. And I want to repeat myself over and over again. So you don't go, oh my gosh, he doesn't believe in Christianity. Of course, of course, of course. But here's the deal. Christianity is causing confusion with the kingdom. We think it's two separate things. And it's not. It's not. It's about the kingdom of God. And so what happened is this. People got saved and nobody discipled them. Then they got saved and all of a sudden, I'm still doing the same thing. So what happened is people out in the world with real problems. Come on. Real people, they come into the church and guess what? They got real problems, real issues in the church. And all of a sudden now, it's been years, and what's going with the transformation is because we need the power of God to move into our lives. Come on, that we recognize that there is an operating system ready for this that's not closed. It's an open system. It's an open system. One of the powerful stories I heard was Jim Simbler from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. And, and I heard this message, he was talking about prayer, and he was talking about his daughter, how she lost her mind. And just, just, just lost her mind. Grew up in the church. I love what I heard Laguel say. I said, listen, you can bring them all you want to the church. Doesn't mean church is in them. Amen. And so he was talking. He was saying as he was looking. And he says, she lost her mind. And so she went on the world. And he said, for two years he battled. Two years he battled this. 
Until one day, at a prayer meeting, someone said, Oh, let's pray for your daughter now. And they prayed. And the power of God moved. Here is how the kingdom works. While she was sleeping. Come on. My God, the power of God got a hold of her. And told her in her dream, you better get your life right. Come on. That you better get back to God. She went back home. Knocked on the door and says, Dad. Dad, who was praying for me on Tuesday? Good God Almighty. Who was praying? Because while I was sleeping, the power of God came upon me and said, you better get back in relationship with me, God Almighty. It's not your parents. It's me you got to wrestle with. Woo, good God Almighty. That's the integrity of the church. And if you have a son or a daughter, you got a situation. You should be able to come to a group of people who know the power of the kingdom of God and say, let's pray together that God will break the plans of the enemy. Good God Almighty in my life. God of mercy, have your way. It's an open system over your life. Not a closed system. While people can believe whatever they want it is no equal to the kingdom of God it's no equal to the kingdom of God at all And so we must operate in an open system and that's how I have to live my life in an open system right because the enemy is looking to trap me he's looking to trap you he's looking to get us to a place where he traps us and then the temptation listen let me break it down for you how he works he traps you first and then he tempts you oh. And so what happens is that he traps and then he tempts us. And so therefore we must rely on the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom message to say, devil, you will not contain me in this trap. I know who I am. I know the power of God inside of me and I am going to walk in victory because the Bible says he makes a way of escape for every temptation. He makes a way of escape. I wish I had one person who found the exit. I wish I had one person who found the way to get out of this situation. Situation, their challenge because they says, God, I need the real power to move in my life. The real power. So he goes on. So the question I'm asking you today is what is your operating system? Is it Christianity or is it the kingdom? Who is governing your life? It's vital that we recognize that. And so when we look at this message of first things first, We have to address first and foremost your time in the kingdom. Your time in the kingdom. And so Steve Covey, one of the great authors of, 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 of the book, The Seven Habits, he writes about putting first things first. And so he's talking about how to eliminate anxiety in your life. He's talking about how to be successful. And he writes these words. He says, putting first things first means organizing and executing around your most important priorities. So Stephen Covey is saying, if you want to maximize your time, you want to be efficient. He's saying what you have to do is that you have to organize and execute around your most important priorities. So you have to list what are the things that are of value to me? What are the things that are important to me? He says, it is living and being driven by the principles you value most, not by the agendas and forces surrounding you. Great, amazing help, but not complete. Come on. Because if you notice this, the focus is on self. And what we must understand, the kingdom is not about you. The kingdom is about the God inside of you. And so if we want to change people's hearts, come on, to be able to walk in righteousness, to be able to declare that Jesus is Lord, it is not about them. It's about the spirit of God that needs to reside in them. And so it's important then that anytime you can contribute through vote or through uh, 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 any policies or anything like that, you have to do that. But please understand that transformation takes place because of the spirit of God and the kingdom of God at work in people's lives. And so Steve Cover said, manage your time. Manage it well. Because here's the deal. There is a competition for your time. There is. 
There's a competition for your time. And Christianity makes certain things allowable and still keep you in relationship with God. It does that. It allows for certain things because the culture has come in. But the kingdom now, according to Jesus, the kingdom speaks of a priority of how to live that pleases God. And so therefore, in the kingdom, he will mess with your time. Come on. He will interrupt your schedule. He will do things that are not convenient for you, but are good for you. Come on. He will do things that you never thought about, but when he embraces your life and when he gets a hold of your life, he always leads to those things that are good. So yes, you need to manage your time, but the kingdom of God is about managing your life. So watch this now. So you can be labeled a Christian, but not necessarily be full of the kingdom. I'm talking about. I can take the label off one can, come on, and put it on another can. That doesn't make this can, come on, what this label is. And so what happens, you encounter this label thinking it's that, and reality it's not. So now you don't trust any other label, come on, that has this on them. So somebody gets hurt, come on, and all of a sudden they brand Christianity as, I don't trust it. I'm thinking, you missed the kingdom. And they walk away in need of healing. Need of healing. So when we take a look at this, here is your operating system. Here is how to operate in an open system. Someone say open. Open, open. You must live in an open system. The kingdom of God is an open system. Why? Because the Bible says that heaven, come on, needs to invade earth, right? And so you need to live in an open system, not a closed system. A closed system is restrictive. You need to live in an open heaven. You need to live in an open system. What God is concerned about in this nation is the soul of our nation. It's the soul of our nation. And I'm going to tell you that anxiety is an all-time high. Come on. You can't go through 2020 with COVID and racial uprising, come on, and a present election and not feel a sense of anxiety and depression from isolation, come on, and from quarantine and all those different things. They're trying to fix one thing and create something else. And when they fix this, they do this. It is telling you the system is closed. They're doing their best, people. That's what they're doing their best to try to take a closed system and make it work in your life. And so Jesus comes in now and says, I want to open things up. Oh, good God Almighty, come on. I want to open my to think of the possibilities of with God, all things are possible. Someone here this morning, your mind needs to open up. Come on, you need to have your mind open and focus on the kingdom of God. There's things inside of you that needs to come out. You need to make a contribution to, to, to this earth. You need to bring, you're the answer to the healing that this nation needs. But if you live in a closed system, come on, you will never be able to maximize all that God has for you. And so he begins and he says in Matthew, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. So let me break it down. The three things that you have to do then to live in a system that is open and live in the kingdom of God. The first thing is the word first. F-I-R-S-T. And in this word, what we see here, it's the Greek word called proton. It's the Greek word Proton. So first, in the Bible, in the Greek, is the word proton. It means first in time. It means first in place. It means first in order. It means first in importance. So when you and I say that God is first, what you're saying is that he's first in my time. He's first place in my life he's first in the order of things and he's first in importance this is where the power of the gospel comes in is when you look at it and you recognize now that he's saying he's first in time so the moment you wake up the kingdom of god is in you and the first thing you do is acknowledge god you're good 
Before anything else, God, I want to live in an open system. I thank you while I was sleeping, you were protecting me. I thank you while I was sleeping and the devil sent demons and devils to try to mess with me that you were saying, you better not touch this one. Come on, you can't have this one. That soul belongs to me, Satan. You got to go. And so you wake up and God is first because you recognize while you were sleeping and slumbering, God was awake and doing work. I tell my kids all the time, be grateful. That's all I ask. Be grateful. Come on, that's it. Be appreciative. You see what I'm saying? Let me stay off that before they yell at me. Praise God. Amen. So I tell them all the time. I'm like, listen, I told them because when they were younger, I said, you have to learn quick obedience. I said, because you're sleeping and I hear intrusion. And I walk into your room and I say, hey, come on, you got to go. If you're going to give me an argument, there is an invader coming into this house. Come on. And you're going to question your daddy's voice because you want to know the importance of why you're waking me up. As opposed to trusting your father's voice. Because not every day you wake up. Come on. Oh, come on. And so when God wakes you up, don't say, God, what are you doing? He's saying, this is important. You got to seek me first. There's someone that's come to try to mess with your life. And I've got to let you know. Come on. That's what he did to Joseph, wasn't it? When he was bringing the promise. Come on, Jesus, right? And if Joseph would have said, why are you bothering me for? He says, Joseph, get up and go here. Mary's like, don't you know I'm pregnant? Get up, Mary. Come on. Come on. Because contrary to the public, come on, that's God's seed. Come on. It's God's baby. It's God's child in the womb. Come on. Get up. Get up. Come on. Get up. And let's go. And so we have to understand to live in an open system. Someone say open. To live in an open system. And when you're going to tell people that God is first. And so if that dude wants to date you. Or that girl wants to date you. You got to tell them that God is first. And what you mean. He's first in my time. He's first place in my life. He's first in the order of my life. He's first of importance. If it's that job. He's first in my time. Come on. He's first in the place. He's first in order. Because here's why. In Matthew 6, 33. What Jesus talked about. Was the two things that we crave. Provision and promise. And he's saying right now that if you put him first, he'll deal with both of those things. So look how God works now. So God realized now to operate in the kingdom. And if you want to make sure that he's first in time, first in place, first in order, or first in importance. He says this now. He gives to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He gives to the church. Uh, ready for this? He first apostles. He gives to the church in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. He first gives them apostles. And then second, prophets. And then third, teachers. And then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. That is the integrity of the church right there. That when they walk in, they see the church is in order and they can trust the integrity. Because they're first the apostle, then the prophets, come on, then the teachers, then the miracles, then the gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Yes, tongues! My God. Speaking tongues, yes, praise God. And people would go and see all these sorts of things. I'm here to say, no, that's how the church is supposed to be structured. That first you have apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. Paul is writing to this church in Corinthians that were gifted but crazy. Come on. You see what I'm saying? And he says, no, you got to get things in order. You must understand how the kingdom functions. So the first thing then is order. So when you and I get together, whether it's online or it's in person, we've got to recognize that God is appointed in the church. God appointed in the church. God did that. These are grace gifts. The second thing is, well, it says first in importance. And this is Matthew chapter 8, verse 21 and verse 22. And so in Matthew 8, verse 21 and verse 22, he says first in importance. Remember, first, proton. And what he said was this. Another of the disciples said to him. So one, one person says, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I got things to do. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me first, proton, go and bury my father. 
What is Jesus saying in verse 22? And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Is Jesus being cruel? So don't go to a funeral. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this, is that that word, let me first go. They were putting the importance of family before faith. Come on. And what he's saying is this, is that in the kingdom of God, you must recognize for people to draw from you, for people to be able to see you as a contribution. you got to be full of the kingdom of God and give them the overflow. Because when they deplete from your resource, you then think I'm not a good God. And what happens, you blame me for not meeting your provision and for not meeting your promises when the reality was you gave it away. Because not putting God first in your life. The moment we get out of order, the moment we don't put God first, we're going to have some problems. So what he did, he said this. You have to first in seeking the kingdom. This word seeking, this word first, when you put it together, here is what from my study I realized we must do. Here is the reason why we see what's going on with Christianity versus the kingdom. What we did was this. We took that word proton, which means first in order, in place, ready, in importance. What we did was this. When we read the scripture, it says this. Watch this, Mr. Blaine. It says now, ready? Seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, so I do that. Okay, God, you're cool. Now what's next? And we no longer bring the kingdom of God with us. It's, it's check it off. We're good. Okay. And now what's next? What else is important in my life? And so what happened? The further we get away from the kingdom, the further separation there is from God. Because if you bring God here and you bring him into your life, there won't be a next. Oh, good God. There won't be. What there'll be is addition. Come on. There will be the provision of God in your life. And so because God is first in your life, the things you need, God brings those things. Why? So the enemy can't deceive you by bringing things you don't need. And so what happens is this. We get so far from God. And all of a sudden now, the enemy brings something. And we think now, oh, we must need that. And all of a sudden, God, what do you, God, God, what do you think? God, oh, okay, no, no. What do I think about that? What's my view on that? Now, here is the mercy of God. He's always there. So what we do, oh, we get a bunch of trouble. We run back. And God says, welcome back. If anybody should be offended, it should be God in the way we treat him. And so we seek first, and what happens? We do a checkoff list. Okay, I'm a Christian. Okay, boom. Okay, that's good. I'm, I'm labeled. Okay, that's great. And then we move to number two, move to number three, move to number four. And all of a sudden, these next things aren't bad. They're just not complete. They're not complete. And so what we should do is this, when we read that scripture, it should say this, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, first be concerned about God. So in other words, everything in your life, you ask the question, God, what do you think about this? Everything. God, what do you think about this? I'm going to make this move. God, what do you think about this? I'm going to do this. God, what do you think about this? Guess what we call that? We call that prayer. That's called prayer. Whether it's 30 seconds or three hours. It's called asking God what God thinks about. I think God has something to say about everything in your life. I think he does. I think God has something to say about everything in your life. And so the kingdom then comes. Ready for this? God, what is your rule and what is your reign? That's what we're asking God. We're saying, God, you are sovereign over this nation. So what do you have to say about this when we talk about the kingdom of God? And so what we're saying is this, that God, you have triumphed over sin. You have triumphed over Satan. You have triumphed even over death. You got my attention. Ooh. God, you conquered sin. You conquered the one who's causing sin. And you conquered the grave because of my sin. And if you can do that, good God Almighty, I want that operating system. And the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and I. We've got power to overcome every single challenge in every situation. 
So when they talk bad about you and they criticize you, come on, what the enemy wants to do is to cut you down. But you got to tell that devil, come on, you will not allow me. Come on, I will not allow you. So we have the agreement. You won't do this to me. I won't allow you to do this to me, Satan. And so therefore, you have been conquered. And I've got the power of the kingdom of God in my life. And so therefore, as Jesus destroyed you, so I walk in that authority authority of Jesus. So what happens is this. He now tells them and his righteousness is standing. His righteousness is standing. See, here's what we're faced with. That when we go on to the things called things, our next point is this, is that first seek the kingdom of God and all these things. And so you see, life is complicated and it's competitive. There are things competing for your affection, things competing for your integrity. And this is where we are right now as a church. I'm going to end with this part. Here is how we look at things. And I'm guilty of this as well. When he gave me this message, I said, God, please forgive me. Forgive me of just going through the motions. It's hard pastoring in 2020. It is. It's very difficult pastoring a church. In 2020. Absolutely difficult. If it wasn't for the people. And you all praying for me. Thank you for praying for me and my wife. But God reminded me. says Rowan I called you. And you must preach the gospel of the kingdom. And daily. If this is not your prayer. Let it be your prayer. God let your kingdom come in my life today. So I can be a witness so that the healing of this nation, you will use me to heal the soul of this nation. God, let your kingdom come in every aspect of my life. Because my Christianity is complicated. And there are things that are competing for my affection. So what happens is this. In Luke chapter 10, as we end with this, here where we find ourselves, we have two sisters. Two systems, come on. Two ways of looking at things. We have Christianity and it's to do. And then we have the kingdom as who to be. And so we're over here in what we have to get done. And we're missing the importance of what, who we have to be and become. We're over here at what must be done. And over here, he's calling us to become. Over here, we got things that we have to get done, things. But over here, he's saying you need to be righteous and become. And so here we have the story in Luke chapter 10. And what we have is we have two sisters. And in verse 38, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Church was started. She welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Oh God! But Martha was distracted with so much serving. And she went up and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. In other words, Jesus, tell Mary we have things to do. I know your presence is here, but what's more important is what we have to do. And Mary realized it's who I need to become. And so the Bible says that she was at the feet of Jesus listening to his teachings. You see, what is competing for our affection is that we're serving so many things, so many gods that we're serving. And we just have one thing to do. But we miss it in the midst of all the distractions. And I'm looking at my life and I'm like, God, and I said, God, help me. And he's like, I'm going to deal with that anxiety role that you have. Because what happens is this, you're, you're, you're thinking all oh, this is you got to get done and all those things to perform. And he said, no, you need the power of the gospel of the kingdom. What sustains you and your family is the power of the gospel of the kingdom. All these competing things. And so here, 
Here we look at, we have things to do, but God is saying, ready for this now? I'm going to make it easy for you because see, ready for this? Life is complicated and there's competition for your time. And so he says, I just need one thing. Someone say one thing. Here's my last scripture. Watch this now. We just need one thing. And in Luke 10, verse 41 and verse 42, let this be said of us. Let this be said of our church. Let this be said when we leave this place, but never leave his presence. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Yes, you are real. The issues are real. Yes, they are. But he's saying you're anxious and troubled about many things. You have conflicted and you have competed and you have complications in your life. And he's saying, you will not win if you continue to focus on all those things. It'll cause anxiety, depression, all the various things. So in verse 42, he says this, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which would not be taken away from her. You just need one thing. You just need one thing. You just need one thing. You don't need a lot. You just need one thing. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, you just need one thing. You just need one thing. You need the kingdom of God. I need the kingdom of God. We need the kingdom of God, the operating system, the open system over our life. And this, as we celebrate November the 1st, what we need to recognize is this, is, is, is on Tuesday, we need to pray, every one of us, God, open up the heavens over this nation. And there's one thing we need, God. And the psalmist puts it beautifully. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I've asked of the Lord. And that I will seek after. What is the one thing you're asking of the Lord? Seek after it. Seek after it. Seek after What's that one thing you're asking of the Lord? With your head bowed and your eyes closed. What's the one thing that you're seeking after? First, seek the kingdom of God. What is the one thing that you are searching after? And that one thing should be, I want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. So when I go in the presence of my family, they will encounter the power of God. One thing I seek after, that which I'll go after, is the power of God. So when I go into my workplace, they sense the presence of God. One thing that I seek after is the power of God. So when I go amongst my friends, they will experience the power of God. The one thing we seek after. Father, we worship you and we thank you for that one thing. Life is complicated. Life is filled with competition. But there's one thing we want to seek after. And so in just 60 seconds... As they play, seek to live in an open system over your life. Come on. And bring your family into that open system. Bring your loved ones into that open system. Come on. Pray over your children. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your life. Pray over everything that's important to you. And bring it into that open system, the kingdom of God. When people ask, where are you going? Tell them, come on, come with me. I'm going to bring you and explain to you the kingdom of God. The open system. The operating system. Father, we worship you. Come on, we worship you.